There's a great line by one of the characters in the movie where she talks about, if you put in the work, you will be rewarded. That reward may not translate into playing time, so there's no guarantee that you're going to get more minutes, right? There's no guarantee that you're going to get that championship, but you will be rewarded. And how that pays off, and I think that's just like a great thing for the movie, because you see for some of these women, not that they haven't had successes in that 20-year span, but they continue to have different successes. So they put in the work back in 1999, and they're continuing to see those rewards pay off in different ways in their life that they didn't expect necessarily back when they were 21, 22 years old. If you love sports documentaries, stay tuned, because today on Athlete Story, we'll take a closer look at one of the upcoming sports movies. It's called After the Game, and we'll have a chat with the filmmaker herself, April Abeda. Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast, your chance to tap into wisdom from athletes and experts in world-class sports. I'm your host, Enya Polpia, former World Top 10 skier in mobile skiing and freeride skiing, now pretty far into life after sports. Join me and other former athletes here on Athlete Story for resources to help you put your former sports career to work for you today. Here at Athlete Story, we know that some people have an MBA to lean on. You, you have your sports career. Subscribe now and get notified for every new episode. After the Game is a basketball documentary where we follow a few real-life female athletes who played basketball on the same team in college back when the WNBA had only just launched. Now, the filmmaker April Abeda actually played on that team herself, so she had access to capture not only the game action, but also all the behind the scenes, the atmosphere, the emotions, and, and the whole life around the game. A women's basketball was not really mediatized back then, and for sure nobody walked around with cameras like we do today, so we can look forward to some pretty exceptional footage in the movie, I think. I guess she must have carried around a big camera and caught it on tapes. <laughs> Anyways, the theme of the movie is very core to the athlete story community because it revolves around that after the game part of sports and, and how the lessons from sports can be used and repurposed in life after sports. So in the movie, uh, we will actually catch up with the women today in situations where they each discover how their background in sports is actually helping them tackle life's new challenges. But let's move on to the interview. I'll make sure to ask April why it was important to make a movie about female student athletes from the 90s and then follow up today. All right, I'm so excited for you to meet this real filmmaker in the sports industry. So let's welcome April Abeda for a chat about her movie, After the Game. Hi, April. Welcome to the show, Athlete Story. How's it going? Good, good, good. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. I'm really, I'm happy, uh, I'm happy to be chatting with you. So thank you for having me. I'm curious about this project that you've been working on for quite a while, I can say, I think. A movie called After the Game. Can you tell us a little about what, what that's all about? Yeah, um, of course. So After the Game is really, it's a, it's a new documentary. Um, that is really about the long-term uh, impact of uh, competitive athletics, um, specifically on young women. And so we follow three women across really the span of 20 years. So we see them as student athletes for a small college in Southern California back in 1999. And their, their challenges, their successes, uh, and then we correlate that 
flash forward to starting really in 2017 and through 2019, how they really translate things they learned as athletes into their professional challenges today off, off the course. So more specifically, they're basketball players, right? Yes, yes. So they're all part of the same basketball program back in 1999-2000. Were they in the same school or on the same team? Yeah, so they're on the same team. So our three characters we follow, um, we actually follow the head coach of that program at the time, who's also a former athlete. She played for UCLA, is actually um, Mary Haggerty is her name, and she is has been honored as one of the 15 greatest women's basketball players of UCLA of all time. So she was quite successful as a student athlete herself. And then the athletes on the team in 1999 are uh, a woman named Michelle Ruzzi, who was a senior going into that season, and then another woman named Holly Nevis, who was a junior transfer student. So she was coming from a new school and trying to make her mark find her place on a brand new team at that time and so um, it's like them kind of figuring that her figuring that out um, and you'll see the correlations in the film of sort of how that same challenge actually comes up for her in a very similar way almost 20 years later so is that like the main theme of the movie how the lessons you learn from sports how you can use them in life after sports yeah yeah exactly definitely i'm tied with that about What you commit and what sports can give to you, it doesn't necessarily always pay off in the way that you think it will. Um, there's a great line and by one of the characters in the movie where she talks about, if you put in the work, you will be rewarded. That reward may not translate into playing time, so there's no guarantee that you're going to get more minutes, right? There's no guarantee that you're going to get that championship, but you will be rewarded. And I think that's just like a great theme for the movie because you see for some of these women, not that they haven't had successes in that 20-year span, but they continue to have different successes. So they put in the work back in 1999, and they're continuing to see those rewards pay off in different ways in their life that they didn't expect necessarily back when they were 21, 22 years old. I love that theme because success is such a relative term, right? And it develops yeah. over the span of your life. Like, what do you think is success when you're 20 years old is not the same maybe as later in life. So Totally, yeah. totally. What was the most important reason for you to, to make this movie? Well, I think there are a couple things. When I actually started shooting um, these women back in 1999, it's, it really started with just my, my love of sports and my respect for, um, you know, uh, just women in sports and, and, and athletes. And, and at that time, there really was you know, no attention to it. I mean, we've made some strides since then. We haven't made huge strides in terms of just uh, recognition and attention and, you know, equality and, and airtime and, and sports broadcasting and everything like that to, to women in sports. And it was even worse back then. And so I really wanted to do something about it. I was, I wanted to kind of showcase these women. Um, I played with these women myself as, as, as a student athlete myself. And I knew how hard these women worked and how hard it was, and how talented they were, and so I wanted to showcase that, and it just sort of morphed over time, as, you know, continuing the relationship with these women, and seeing how, you know, what they've gone through in their lives, like, well into adulthood, and, and how they translate what they learn to student-athletes, either directly or indirectly, because sometimes it's a little, it's like, you don't even realize it's a little subconscious, you know, those learnings that you, that you have, um, that you only get really from sports, and, and, that sort of like that, that story, that narrative just sort of pivot. Um, and I felt like that was still really compelling. And the more I started talking to other folks about it, it sort of convinced me that this was a good time to tell that story now. As well as with what was going on with these characters in their personal lives at this point. So it sort of all was 
serendipitous, I guess it came together at the right time of them facing these unique challenges. And I feel like it really was, uh, I know there's something special about timing right now, even with the success of the USA Women's World Cup and, and here in the US is just being like such a big, big deal. And, and now just, you know, more attention and, you know, it's just, it's just a really good time, I think, to kind of continue this message of, you know, women's athletics and, and the importance of it um, long term and, you know, kind of just capitalize on this movement that's been, been happening over the summer. Yeah, that's that's really nice. Well, you've you've been really ahead of your time because nowadays everybody <laughs> will be filming and, and having footage of practice and everything. But you did this like back in the nineties, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I filmed. I got permission from the team from the school at the time, and uh, it may help because I was a, a student athlete myself, and I was a film student, and so I sort of wrapped it into this like my studies and. I, you know, at a time when cameras weren't so ubiquitous with everything, it was like, it took some getting used to, I think, with, uh, with, with the players and the coaches and just sticking a camera in their face, like constantly, <laughs> um, but they really got used to it. And so just hours and hours of, you know, locker room talk and uh, training room and road trips. I think that one particularly special thing about smaller universities like Chapman University, which is where the, all these women were members of the Chapman University Women's Basketball Program, was that because it's so small, you just spend even more time. So the travel, think of all the travel, right? You go to all the other games where maybe bigger programs can get on an airplane. Like, no, when you're small, you drive everywhere. Like, you sit in a van or a bus with your teammates for hours and hours and hours and just you know, you get, you really get to know them. And so capturing all those little moments of, of, uh, of what it's kind of really like to be on a team and, and share those moments and, and learn from each other, which is something that also like made special. And I think when you grow up as an athlete, as, as you know, like, uh, as a woman, like you just don't get the respect sometimes, you know, like you talk to people about what you do or your sport, or, you know, it's still, I'm sure it does today for, for young women, but it gets downplayed. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's not that hard because you're a woman or you guys aren't as good or you aren't as tough. And that always really bothered me. And so I felt the best way to combat that misconception was to film the team and put together and no, like, look how hard they're working. You know, they're doing sprints up and down the court until they puke, you know. <laughs> it's just like they're pushing themselves to their max potential to try to be successful at their sport. And that's admirable. And Yeah, and there's nothing like video to tell that story. <laughs> I know personally, maybe I've told this before on the sorry podcast listeners if, if I've told <laughs> it before, but I didn't really feel that people understood what kind of sport I was doing until very, very late in my career when I did have videos and could, you know, post on YouTube and stuff because people just don't relate just from words. And when they see me as a person, maybe they don't think that I would go do something like that. <laughs> I, I totally understand what you're talking about. And then from the respect point of view, I think that's that's a very good point. It'll be cool to watch too. <laughs> It'll be cool to get that atmosphere of the of the camps and the team and the traveling and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it definitely will feel aged because just because technology in terms of video production has changed so much, so it's all four by three, so smaller framed, and, and the quality's not quite as good as the stuff we're shooting today, but I, I actually really embrace that because I, I want the viewer to sort of have the sense of nostalgia also when they're looking at this older stuff, and if anything, it's like, well, yeah, you know, these women weren't playing because they thought they were going to go play professional basketball. I mean, especially at that time, you got to remember the WNBA was like two years old. 
So it just wasn't, I mean, it's very rare today for, obviously, for any athlete, male or woman, to go play at the professional level or play, like, even as high level as, as you did in your sport. But even more so back then, it was really for a love of the game that they were playing and just wanting to compete and try to be the best that they could be. And Yeah, so it's just like that nostalgic kind of, like, hopefully that feel really comes across in, in the footage as well from the stuff from 1999. Right now, you're in post-production, the end of it, right? Yeah, we still have a lot of work to do, but we are making really good progress. And yeah, we're making excellent progress on our edit and working with a, a music composer currently for some kind of original score and original music in it. And um, yeah, and should be done by sometime in November with the film to get ready to start premiering in 2020. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, in 2020, so another year. So, yeah, yeah well, it should be early. So, I mean, we're, like, halfway through 2019 already. So, yeah, early early uh, 2020, we should be premiering it. So. Okay, so this is obviously a passion project for you since you it's been in the back of your mind having all that footage and stuff. How do you finance this project? How do I finance this project? That's a, it's a great question because financing is different for every film. This is a combination of just personal investments, and then we will be running a crowdfunding campaign for the remaining finishing funds. So, but we're sort of just like full steam ahead until we totally run out of the cash that we have on hand. So, okay. Well, if you have a link to the crowdfunding, we'll share it here. So oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to. Yeah, love to um, get the word out on that. So, yeah, yeah. You're really active on Instagram as well. Yeah, our, 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 our team is, uh, is is great. We're on Instagram at uh, After the Game Movie. Um, and, you know, we put everything from, you know, other kind of current events around women's sports as well as a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff of where we're at in the process. So I think you saw, you know, when I work out in my home office, my, my cat and my is uh, going through the editing process. So, yeah, we, we try to really just continue to share. You know, we find, like, our audience really enjoys especially like behind the scenes stuff. So we try to share on theirs as often as we can. So if someone else thinks, oh, this is really cool. I would love to make a movie about something from, from their sport or whatever. What, yeah. what has been the hardest part or the biggest hurdle in doing all of this? Um, that's, that's a great, great question. question. I, I mean, mean, in any filmmaking or video production uh, endeavor, the fin- like financing, financing seems to be one of those things that people is are always stressed about and there's a lot of questions around but is not really talked about a lot in terms of how to go about financing. So I find like that is, that's always a hurdle like where we get the money from and things like that and, and how do you talk to people about getting money. And so that's always a challenge. We've been pretty lucky there because you, you, know, you just you never know how that's going to work out. I would say... I think another thing is like depending on, you know, if you're making a documentary, the other challenge is just having the patience to see where the story leads you, right? So like um, working with my characters, again, I mentioned it's sort of just like it was just great timing that all three of them were kind of this convergence of these different professional challenges for them. And seeing where that seeing where that goes, and, and like they don't necessarily unfold the way that you expect them to. And you can't control it. Like, you can't really influence that. It's not like I can be like, oh, it'd be great if you did this. And, you know, like, there's no directing 
them, like, like you, you write a fiction movie, or there's, you know, writing the script in advance, so to speak, there's, there's none of that, and so that's, at least for me personally, was is definitely, I think, uh, a challenge, given my own background, I've mostly been in, like, scripted up front work, and just trying to let that unfold and see where that goes. Again, picking up the filming again in 2017, and then just wrapping filming in 2019, that's, you know, we're two years just to catch up with where they're at in their current lives today and that's patience and that, that's actually pretty short for a documentary i've heard that the average amount of time for a documentary is like five years that's a lot of patience to let that story unfold stories <laughs> a lot of courage too because you're putting yourself out there right you're out there for judgment and oh yeah yeah especially for i mean my characters and i'm so grateful to all three women to really opening themselves up and, and sharing, you know, not only just where they're at and sort of like the mundane day-to-day stuff, but just like emotionally how they're feeling about things. And they're very, very open. I think it it's really helpful as a filmmaker if you go in and really have relationships with them ahead of time. I mean, sometimes you don't have that luxury. In this case, I did since I've known them for 20 years plus. I think that really helped just with them being feeling comfortable and, and they know that you know, like, I'm not here to trick them into something. I'm not here to kind of get, like, this gotcha moment. I'm, I'm here to really hear their story and, and communicate it in the best way, way possible. And so I feel honored that they trust me with their lives on camera. And um, they haven't seen any of the edits yet, so I'm excited to be able to screen it for them when we're ready. Yeah, that will be exciting. Are their families involved in this, or is it purely them as these three people? Uh, for, for some of them, their families are a little bit involved as well. And it's really, like, I kind of really left it up to them, like, how much they wanted to. I wasn't going to try to force anybody to be on camera who didn't want to be on camera. Yeah, so it varies across the characters, like, how much they share, like, outside of their immediate family. Well, we talked about success before. I'd like to know to you what would be a success for this movie yeah i mean we get people showing up to screen that, that's like <laughs> you know I'm, not, um, I'm just i guess because the goal of this film is i really want to get it obviously in front of as many people as possible but i know there's a very specific audience for this film and that is athletes former athletes also i think parents of young athletes and so i, I would love for people to see this film and really think about the rewards of participation in whatever sport, not just basketball. It could be skiing, it could be a soccer, it could be whatever. But maybe you could start to think about what those other long-term benefits are and encourage if they have a daughter, a young daughter who's playing sports and thinking about quitting or if they know somebody else who's new and, and thinking about quitting. And just thinking about like changing that mindset about why they participate because there's a good chance they're so hung up on like, oh, I have to go pro or I have to go get a scholarship or I have to, you know, try to make the Olympics or, or, or whatever. These really, which are awesome, really lofty goals. But I think what this film shows is that it's like, it's, it's not just about that. It's about the relationships you form. It's about those things that you learn in terms of how to work with people that you may not be best friends with, but you've got to find, you know, how to reach that common goal. It's, you know, all these other things you know, that you just sort of get forced into when you're playing sports. And I really want to get the film in front of those people so they can help encourage their daughters or their friends' daughters or whatever, just to kind of keep it up. And it's okay if you're not the Division One athlete. You know, you can go play at a junior college, which, you know, I don't know, junior college is like, it's like a two-year college to go, and they have athletic programs, and they're also, um, some of them are really, really competitive. And they'll still get a lot out of that, and that's, that's great. 
And so success to me is we are able to set up the community streaming that we want to set up across the United States and we get people attending and we get people just loving the film. Like, you know, it's not, it won't be like any scientific, I guess. Like there's no like hard data that we'll collect on it, but it'll be talking with people and hearing their thoughts on it and just seeing how they're thinking about it and they're thinking about that participation in any kind of different way. You know, financially, I would like to recoup our investment in it for, you know, our investors in film, but I just, like, it's really about just, I get changing people's mindsets about what women's athletics can do. Long-winded answer, sorry. (laughs) Maybe you can get it on one of the airplane packages. So it sounds like some of the movies that I've watched on planes (laughs) over the time. Yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I used to work in that industry, actually, like random. But yeah, I worked in InFi Entertainment, so I still some, know some folks. So I am actually hoping, like, once we kind of go through, we will do some film festivals and then the community streams, and uh, eventually we will have it online streaming for people to, to rent. Um, but yeah, I, I have thought about InFlight <laughs> as well, because it's great. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about amazing documentaries they've watched on a plane. Um, like, well, this that's great. You've got, you know, no more captive audience than sitting stuck on a plane for however long. <laughs> Well, I'd love to hear just a little bit about your own story in sports because I'm sure that has a great influence on how you decided to do this movie. So can you just tell us briefly, how is your own athlete story? Yeah, I mean, I I love sports. I loved um, playing basketball specifically from a young age. I mean, growing up, I did a lot of little random, you know, things, but um, probably the most competitive early on was basketball. But even now, it sounds like I started playing in eighth grade. Like nowadays, that sounds so late. You know, I started with like five year olds. It's crazy. But did pretty well and got a chance to play at the college level. So I also played at Chapman University with, with these women. And I just, I loved it. You know, at that age, I would, would have loved to play the WNBA. You know, like that was like, oh my God. I knew that I wasn't that level. You know, I'm six feet, but uh, I play center. So it's kind of small. <laughs> pro level. Um, but I, I tried my darndest. But I still had a, a pretty good career in college. And I think the, that was one of the earliest lessons I learned, kind of just thinking about as I moved on, like really focusing on my career in video production and, and filmmaking and, and media, was that, you know, I put in a lot of the work. It didn't exactly pay off the way I wanted to in terms of being able to take it to the next level. But I still had a great career. I had these amazing relationships with really incredible, fun, wonderful people connected to the sport. And I started to realize, like, okay, there's maybe it's not this is the way it's going to pay off. And, you know, little, like, random things, like going into professionals. So I started my career with Fox Sports, which is a sports broadcast company in the U.S. And, like, little things, like, that would pay off, I guess, in terms of playing a sport would just be, like, connecting with the men in the office. You know, and being able to talk sports, whereas like maybe other women at that time, anyways, sounds like a stereotype, but it was sort of real back then. Where like a lot of women weren't really that I was around in the work environment, but I would be able to connect with them on a different level and develop a different relationship because we could talk about sports, or we'd even after work go play like a pickup game of basketball. And because I could play, I got more respect. That probably, which weirdly, I probably wouldn't have gotten in the work environment without that because I was some young woman just totally green and they'd be like, oh, who's she? I don't care. But because I could play pickup ball with a bunch of the bosses, 
Okay, they, like, worked in my favor. So, like, that was small, and I started to pick up these little small things that I found were sort of just helping me in my career. And, the, you know, and then take that coupled with a work ethic and that I learned through playing basketball of just, you know, put in the work, put in the extra time, try to do your best at everything that you can do because when you don't and you start to just sort of skate by and think that you can be a little lazy in a moment, and you see, like, oh, that didn't actually really help you in the long term. Like, somebody noticed that you were lazy and they're going to remember that, you know, and then you're like, oh, they're not going to think of me to do this project. They're not going to think of me for this promotion. So it was always those, like those type of things and applying that. And sometimes I was not being conscious about that for, for years even, just like kind of you just go about your life and, you know, I would, and then move to a different company and different relationships. But then every once in a while I would come back to, like, there were things that I loved about being competitive and the things I loved about even like the conditioning, which now like at that time I was like, oh my God, I hate like, <laughs> hate going for, you know, sprint workouts or, you know, with the crazy things that our coach used to do. And, but as you get older, I guess you're starting to appreciate that conditioning aspect of it. And um, just seeing, again, seeing the payoff and like, you know, you put in work, but like the more, the more you practice in anything in life, the better you're going to get at it. Um, and just really like re- realizing that and appreciating that and then being more proactive about doing that and all the non-sports things in your life you know like you can like creative work and patience like you mentioned <laughs> that yeah yeah doesn't come the following day necessarily yeah yeah totally totally but yeah like creative work sometimes people think that you either just if you're an artist you just have it you know or you're a great writer you just have it I'm sure that's true for some people just like there's some athletes who are just amazing athletes like they're just born that way and then but for a lot of creative endeavors too if you keep practicing you know like if you want to become a good writer write every day you know like that's practice if you want to be a great director photographer like you go out and you shoot stuff you film things and you'll get better you may never get to the level that you think that you should be or want to be but you'll definitely get better and so just applying that there and i've done that throughout you know my own career just trying things and just practicing and putting it in and also like stretching your limits a little bit you know so taking on projects or taking on roles where at the time i was like oh god i don't know if i can do it i think i can sure i'll give it a try you know and then and then you do it and, or, and you do a great job you know or even if not everything goes the way you want it to like you learned a lot you still did really good work but you just you know you push yourself for the things that you can control and do the best that you can do yeah i think that's maybe one of the differences between men and women, if we're talking general, <laughs> that we seem to have this default, I don't know if I can do it attitude. Yeah. And and I think that's where sports really helps us to just, well, I'll give it a try. And yeah. Where I remember organizing the Danish National Championships for many years in skiing because I was kind of the only skier in my country <laughs> doing this. Wow. So just to try to get the girls to compete was really really hard unless there was enough of them feeling that they weren't so you know competitive then it was okay so i think that's that's the thing we have instead of just going out and trying and giving our best we kind of have this default i'm not really going to go there because i don't think i can do it instead of just you know there so yeah, yeah. I think sports has a has a great power and lesson like that yeah, yeah. I, I, i totally agree and i think that Yeah, I mean, spot on. It, it absolutely does. And like you said, sports, I think, helps you, like, overcome that. Like, you second-guess that 
that lack of confidence that you have initially because you remember like, oh yeah, I didn't know if I could do those things on the basketball court. I didn't know if I could win that game or I didn't know if I could hit that shot and I did and let's, so let's try this, you know, or sometimes you didn't, but you tried and you felt good about trying, right? What's that, what's that phrase? Like you're going to miss hundred percent of the shots you never take, right? So like having that approach and I feel like I've seen it. So most of my um, professional career in video production has been more like on the corporate side. So I've always done also like filmmaking and also freelancing for other video production. But I regularly work with like corporations and either building or managing in-house creative teams. And so now I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of different folks and a lot of like young women. And where that really sets in the back, what you're talking about, like the lack of confidence and kind of this like innate, like, oh, I'm not sure it really comes to when they're talking about like if they want to raise or promotion where I had my, my own experience like I had a lot of young men come to me and like no you know they have no like reservation about asking for a promotion or a raise whether deserved or not like that's you know different story but just that idea of asking and I probably only had like one or two women who had that same attitude and most will not ever really ask. They sort of just wait until the designated time of an annual performance review, you know, or they would ask and you could just tell they were so scared. So I would congratulate in those instances, I would stop them and do like, I know what you're going to ask. Like I can tell, I think it's great that you're asking. I'm not going to give you what you want. There's a lot of actors involved, but I really wanted to encourage them to like conquer that fear. You know, and you have that confidence to be like, it's okay to ask, and it may fail. It's like, you may not get what you're asking for, but that's okay. Like, I don't disrespect somebody just because they're asking. But, but yeah, so I saw that time and time again, that difference, like, firsthand in, you know, a, a business and corporate environment between men and women. And it's just, I think the ones actually that actually didn't have the hesitation, they might have been former athletes now that I think about it, actually. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure if they were, but they could, I could see if they, if they were, but yeah, well, that might be the link between what's that stat that about 90% of women who are in the C-suite have a background in sports. Maybe it's because they asked for the promotion or it. Yeah. I think that's a good point. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If you want, you gotta ask for it. That's sort of been my approach in my own professional career too. It's like, and that's it. like, I'm, I'm the person who will go. It, did, it took a while to get there. But I'd be the person who'd go in and, and talk to, like, my boss or somebody. I'd figure out who's, in, like, who's a decision maker. So that's the key thing. I always talk, like, figure out who the key decision makers are. Same with filmmaking, too. And, like, if you're trying to find money, you want to talk to people who are the decision makers. Like, and that may be the person with money, and it may be somebody else that they pass that decision off to. But find out who it is and just go go ask, you know? Like, don't be a jerk about it. Like, be nice and, like, be, be ready to present, like, why whatever you're asking for is either earned or, you know, deserved, like, because you do this, that, and the other, or you bring this value. Because at the end of the day, like, when it comes to money specifically, it's really, it's not about, like, the money per se necessarily, it's about the value and translating that value to whatever that dollar amount is, right, and, like, what they see out of it. So same for, like, financing, I think. It's like, what's that value they think they're going to get out of it for the amount they might be investing in it, for part of it, anyways. Well, it seems like you knew pretty much already when you were still playing that you wanted to be in in the film industry. How was that transition? How did you find it easy and natural that now it was different? No, it was it was terrible actually. I think um, 
Uh, I, I would say today, I think, is, is a really incredible time for filmmaking because it's just it's just so much more accessible now. And that's why I keep doing my own projects because it's like, wait, I can control, I can make more of it worse. Especially when I finished film school in 2000, the tools weren't as available. Like, it wasn't as uh, financially accessible. It was pretty much controlled by a small group of people. I mean, the, the big, big, uh, obviously... Studios control a lot when it comes to theatrical releases and things like that still. But there's so many other avenues and so many other distribution points today that exist that didn't exist back then. And so, like, trying at that time, it was really about trying to get into the big places that already existed. And I think this attitude still persists a little bit today, from my own experience. But certainly back then, it was very, like, closed off. It was sort of like this... It's, if you just have a relationship with somebody sort of get you in the door, so to speak, to do work. I mean, the only reason I got to get into Fox Sports at that time was because I got, I somehow scored an internship, and then I worked my butt off on this internship, which was a free internship, so I didn't get paid for it at all. But that was okay with me because I just really wanted, to, I thought I really wanted to work there, and I was super excited, and so I was going to do the best that I could do at that time. Um, and then I met some, some cool people there, too, that started to see the value that I could bring, um, which I was fortunate about that, but... Yeah, it was very closed off, but same time, like there's, I'm sure it still exists today, but, you know, there was just a ton of ego. I've never been a person who just wants to, like, I guess, kiss other people's butts and, you know, like, play those games. And especially back then, I didn't have the confidence to really, like, I think, put up with the ego. And so, it was just, yeah, it was tough. You're, like, it was dealing with some nice people, but, like, a lot of jerks, too, and a lot of people who maybe got their like, sense of identity from what they were doing and, were very defensive about like anybody new, you know, coming and working at their 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 business or their you know studio or what have you. They weren't necessarily there to make you be the best you could be. <laughs> no, not at all. No, yeah, there was none of that. We share stories about like just work cultures and attitudes, and it's it's changed a lot, which I think is great. Like there's much more of a tendency to actually want to enrich and develop employees. Not then. It was like you know you show up. You don't ask questions, you just like, you do your job, and I don't care if you want to grow and learn and do more, like, you know, it just, it wasn't, wasn't the attitude. I'm sure that was not the case for everywhere at that time, but it was just my experience kind of coming in, and, and then other people that I knew that were trying to, like, you know, break into different studios, and, like, in terms of getting a job and stuff, and, yeah, I just really had a, a hard time with it, so I kind of ended up detouring and taking a very different kind of route, always working in media and film production and video, but working in, you know, after that experience, I started to kind of be on the outskirts of, uh, which has now become like their own huge industry, but working in, like I mentioned, then working in in-flight entertainment. So working with studios, but in a different way, sort of sourcing material to go on airplanes. Um, I worked in retail media, so content that might go into a store, like we see in the checkout lines, the screen there, you know, there's ads everywhere. So working in that, also working in digital media, most recently, my last um, role with a full-time kind of corporate entity was digital channels or distributing on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, so on and so forth. And I've, I've learned something from all of them. I feel like I've applied my experiences as an athlete to all of them in different ways. And it's been a varied career for, for me and I'm excited to be focused on this film full-time right now. So, Well, I'm going to wish you all the best of luck for this and make sure to post the links for your crowdfunding. 
because I'm sure there's some people here who wanna who wanna support a movie like that. I will for sure. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, I think people will love it. I mean, I hope they do. I think yeah, it's 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 a movie for the audiences um, at the end of the day. So, I'd like one thing I would love to encourage anybody who's interested in kind of following the film too to not only follow us on Instagram, um, but also they can check out our website at after the game the movie. Uh, dot com and they can sign up for our newsletter um, and we you know send regular updates up too just to see so like they'll learn about when it's premiering in their their area um, if there's a screening in their area all those good things so that's after the game the movie dot com yeah okay yeah correct you've been great you've shared a lot of cool stuff and good wisdom from the sports world so it's been fun it's been fun thank you for doing this and all the best of luck to you If you have any fellow athletes or people who you think could benefit from listening to this, of course, I'd be very grateful if you'd share this podcast with them. Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.